While the global pandemic has created economic uncertainty, many companies are innovating and solving problems, creating opportunities for early investors. As value creation continues to shift from public to private markets, our crowd believes you deserve access to early stage investments in fast growing companies. That's why our crowd has launched the Pandemic Innovation Fund, which invests in companies solving these new challenges. Solutions like vaccines and testing, tools for remote learning, and even food security innovations. Our Crowd is giving all accredited investors a seat at this table and has already helped thousands of investors get access to companies that have IPO'd like Beyond Meat or been bought by companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Just go to ourcrowd.com slash velonews. If you're interested in investing, you need to join Our Crowd. The Our Crowd account is free. Just go to ourcrowd.com slash velonews. Hello, Velo News listeners. This is Dan Cavallari, tech editor of Velo News, coming at you with another Velo News tech podcast. And today we are talking about my feet, uh, which I know is everybody's favorite topic. You can probably smell it through through <laughs> through your headphones. Uh, I want to talk today about foot uh, foot construction. No, not foot construction. Shoe construction. <laughs> uh, and you know, when we shop for footwear for cycling, uh, the biggest uh, question we always ask ourselves is, is it a stiff shoe? Well, I want to talk about what a stiff shoe is and do you really need one? Uh, so on the line today, uh, I have the the fine folks from Jiro on the phone. I have Peter Curran, who is the category manager of footwear. Peter, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining me. And uh, also on the phone is Eric Richter, brand development manager at Jiro. Eric, you look cold, but otherwise, how are you? I'm great. Okay. <laughs> uh, good to be here. Yeah. yeah. You, you look a little frigid, but that's okay. It looks like your office is a little little chilly. I'm, I'm cocooning. Yes. <laughs> it's a good time for that. Um, so, gentlemen, you know, like I said, I, you know, whenever I do a shoe review, whether it's road or mountain or gravel, stiffness is always a question. Uh, and we always think about stiffness in terms of the sole of the shoe. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit today about, you know, A, do you need a stiff shoe? Uh, as an everyday rider, uh, and B, what is that stiffness for? Uh, and then C, how how does the shoe create that stiffness? Is it all in the sole, or are there other elements? So let's start real basic. Um, I'm not a I'm not a guy who's going to go race the pro tour. Do I need the stiffest shoe out there? Long well, awkward pause. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Eric and I were looking at each other, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the if you're not going to race the Pro Tour, I think you're still looking for power transfer, you know, and, and that's, um, you know, the biggest thing is, is you know, uh, your foot has a natural break in it, so um, that's going to wrap around the pedal. So, you know, we try to, to minimize that so that, you know, when you do uh, power down, you have a, your downstroke on the pedal, uh, that the, you know, the, the foot doesn't break as much. And so that the, the, that power goes right into the pedal instead of just being lost to, uh, foot flex and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're not going to go racing and you don't need direct power transfer, it's going to be more comfortable to have a sole that's, that's got a little bit of, of natural flex in it. Mm -hmm. So is that mostly to allow, yeah. you know, foot movement, you know, if, if the sole flexes a little bit more, that means your foot will probably move a little bit more. Is that correct? 
Well, I don't know about that. I think that it's, um, you know, when it flexes, I think there's less fatigue over time Mm -hmm. when you're not pushing against something that's completely rigid. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, So, you know, I notice that when I go from a, you know, very stiff, you know, road shoe, uh, like our, an Imperial, Mm -hmm. uh, and then I then I go mountain biking in something like our Ventana, which mm-hmm. has got a little bit more flex in it, and you know my foot after a while um, doesn't have as much fatigue as it w- as it does in sort of a longer ride in the Imperial. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I, uh, sorry, go ahead, Eric. Yeah, I would chime into that. Uh, a long time ago, when we developed footwear, we did some testing with different uh, outsole plate materials. Uh huh. We actually prototyped some shoes with aluminum plates. Oh, wow. No kidding. Um, we did different carbon layups, uh, nylon, and we had a rider on a cycling treadmill blind test shoes so that they didn't know, uh, you know, what they didn't have any preconceived notion of how stiff the shoe was that they were riding. Sure. And with different sole stiffnesses, we didn't see really big differences in. Uh, power output um what we saw was like over time there's a correlation between power output and fatigue kind of like peter mentioned and one of the biggest things we noticed was that proper fit and arch support make a a bigger difference in some ways than plate stiffness to a rider's ability to generate power and be comfortable Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which is why we developed the supernatural fit system sure with adjustable arch support. We really honed in on the fact that supporting the foot and stabilizing the foot in the shoe really helped a rider to consistently apply power. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess, so that kind of begs the question, is it possible to have a shoe that's too stiff? And the reason I ask that is, you know, in the, in the early days of the gravel category sort of becoming a thing, I remember going on a ride uh, in, in road shoes uh, they were Bont road shoes and Bont their, their, their soles for me anyway, feel super, super stiff, which is great on the road. Um, but then I would hit chatter on gravel and it actually, it fatigued my foot and it, it made my foot hurt after a while. Um, so as a consumer, if I'm going into a store, I mean, is it, should I be worried about getting a shoe that's too stiff depending on what kind of riding I'm doing? Yeah, I mean, it, um, you know what that stiffness is doing in that real, real stiff shoe is is really amplifying th- those you know that chatter and in, in any vibration. So you know there's no absorption at all of what's going on with that shoe. Um, so I think that um, you know what Eric touched on is that um, you know with with good footbeds and and he's sort of the the high priest of 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 three uh, D footbeds and <laughs> but. Um, in, in, you know, Eric and I always have this discussion of how far, how far down in the line can we get a 3D molded footbed? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's true. And, and, you know, if you can eliminate the, the negative spaces and the gaps in, in any movement of the foot, mm-hmm. you're going to get more power transfer. You know, it's just like, um, you know, when you get into a racing seat in a car and it's got that wrapping lumbar and, yeah. You know, you're just tight in there rather than something from, you know, like a, a 77 Eldorado mm-hmm. when you're sliding around on the, you know, the fake leather. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> there's more of a direct connection um, between the between the shoe and and and, uh, and the foot. So um, I would say that is probably more important, um, meaning the, the fit in the in the the inside the 
you know, sort of inside the foot um, gap elimination or whatever you want to call it, negative spaces, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in, in focus more on that than getting the stiffest shoe possible. Sure. So I guess that also sort of transitions us into, you know, the construction of the shoe overall. And it, it sounds, I guess, from what I'm gathering here is that, you know, you could kind of think of uh, the shoe construction as a layered system. You know, there's the the outsole, which is usually a really stiff carbon or a nylon or something like that. And then there's, you know, the footbed inside of that. Um, you know, when you guys are designing a shoe, um, where do you start in that sense? Do you start with the, the outsole and then work from there or is it the other way around? I mean, do you try to create a footbed that works for, for the rider and then figure out what sole will work outsole will work best with that? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we always have a, you know, the, the, the outsole tooling exists. And, and so we spend, um, you know, most of the time with a, I would say a shopping cart full of, of parts we can use as we develop a new shoe. If we're developing new tooling, like a new outsole, yeah, then it's a, it's a ground up type of, uh, type of project. But, you know, for the most part, we've got, um, existing parts that we use, you know, when we're developing, you know, a new shoe. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, in the case of something like SyncWire, which is our, um, you know, our composite upper, um, you know, we try to make sure that, um, you know, you are not feeling like, um, you know, the analogy would be sort of, you know, being on a skateboard where there's, there's no, you know, you've got this rigid thing that's connected to the ground and then it's, it's sort of loose and sloppy up top. Mm-hmm. So you really want that with a cycling shoe that's got a, say a carbon outsole where, you know, you slide in there and the, the upper is so loose and sloppy that you just feel like you're dancing on kind of a, you know, a rigid platform. So yeah. we want to have sort of a progressive stiffness and progressive support mm-hmm. from the outsole up to the top of the foot mm-hmm. uh, so that you don't feel loose and it feels like a, you know, one type of shoe or one type of entity around your foot and not two different pieces, yeah. you know, so that's sort of the, uh, the goal. Yeah. It's funny as you're talking, I mean, in my head, you know, I'm, I'm coming up with all these questions and I'm saying to myself, boy, this is a shoe. It should be really easy. But, you know, it's it's not because, A, every foot is different, right? And so that's that's always the, the sticking point for anybody who reads my reviews, for example, on Velo News is, you know, they'll read the review and say, well, what's your foot shape like, you know, and, and, and how do you ride and things like that. So th- it's an endless, endless black hole here of, of variables. Um, so I guess my question is, when you're thinking about building a shoe that's for, say, for a, perform- a high-performance rider uh, who races, um, what was the – I mean, I know, Eric, like, for example, you mentioned that you tested with aluminum. Um, how, did, how did you land on carbon as – how did everybody land on carbon as the miracle material? Why are we not racing with, with aluminum-sold shoes? Well, I think Peter probably has a better uh, grip on sort of materials and – um, you know, the ins and outs of, you know, that trifecta between sort of cost, performance, and manufacturability, um, which are all things that, you know, those are practical considerations that you have to, to manage. Um, I know that when we, uh, when we went through the, the process of doing that, that testing, um, you know, there's, there's infrastructure in place for manufacturing nylon soles and carbon soles or soles that blend those components. Um, I would imagine that the tooling for aluminum could be quite expensive, um, among other things. 
But um, there's also just, you know, I think anytime you're going into the market with a product, you have the ability to go beyond some conventions, but there's also some conventions that you have to respect. And I would guess that on a sort of stiffness to weight ratio and manufacturability scale, carbon is probably going to be um, more uh, commercially viable mm-hmm. than aluminum sure. for hitting kind of all those cost factors and performance factors. Gotcha. Uh, and so I guess I, I kind of steamrolled through that question. I, I went from one one topic to another and ended up asking about aluminum. And that's kind of where my head's at with, with footwear right now is there's, yeah. there's, just, there's just so many things about it. Um, but I guess what I was trying to get at was, uh, and, you know, thank you for answering that question, because that is ultimately the question I ended up asking. <laughs> I, land, I did land on something. Um, but the question I had, was starting to ask was, you know, with all the variables in, in foot width and, and shape and things like that, um, you know, is, is there any effect, or I guess, is there any correlation between the foot shape and the effectiveness of a stiff sole? Um, or, or is it just, I mean, it, the platform is the platform and whatever you're working with is whatever you're working with. Well, I think before Peter chimes in, um, since he did designate me as the high priest of three, <laughs> that's going to be on your business card now. Yeah, yeah. you um, can marry people. I think yeah. <laughs> excellent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, a um, couple things I've learned after fitting shoes on people for basically a decade, um, and just through my own sort of trial and error, um, because I put up with um, really. Uh, uncomfortable shoes that were very well made uh, by a premium Italian brand um, for basically the first two decades that I rode bikes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just a lack of knowledge and lack of time spent um, figuring out how to be more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a I have a very high arch, um, and actually. I can use a higher arch in my left foot than my right foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as I was able to really play with combinations of arch support and fit um, to get something that was comfortable, I, I mean, I can't, it's kind of hard to quantify how much more I was enjoying riding just because literally I wasn't thinking about my feet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I suspect that that's more common than people realize. So whether a shoe is really stiff, like our Imperial or the Empire SLX, Mm -hmm. um, or something with a bit of engineered flex, like the Sector or the Ventana, um, I just feel more comfortable on the bike, um, more powerful, and I'm not thinking about my feet. I'm just riding. Mm -hmm. Um, So the other variables kind of go out the window when you're able to find that combination of fit, support, that works for you and your foot. Mm -hmm. So saith the high priest, uh, Peter, do you agree <laughs> or anything to add? Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, when you do get that, um, that fit and, and you, you touched on it, there's so many variables, you know, we, you know, the, the, the shoe is built off a of last, which is basically the foot form. Uh, and every brand has a different foot form. Every brand has a different last. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just as, just as much of a, you know, there's certain Nike shoes or Adidas shoes or whatever that fit me better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're using a different last, that's a different shape. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, in the, in the joke, that's not that very funny in, in footwear is the last comes first, you know, and and that's, that's where, that's where it all starts. Mm -hmm. Everything is based off that last. Mm -hmm. And so when you do find that brand, um, in that shoe that fits your foot the best and, um, you know, it is, I'm with Eric. I, I had uncomfortable footwear for a long time and didn't really know it. I thought it was just part of, you know, the performance aspect of cycling, Mm -hmm. you know, and you, you hear about, um, Alberta Tamba, the, the, the famous downhill ski racer who downsized his boots, you know, several sizes to get that feel, you know, to, it was super tight and he got that feel of the ski because everything was packed in. There was no movement. And so I kind of had that same performance footwear should be uncomfortable. And I think that that's, really, um, what we've tried to do at Giro is it, it doesn't have to be uncomfortable and it, and it can be beautiful. Yeah. And I think we really focus on that, you know, the last and, 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 you know, not only is it comfortable, but when you put it on a shelf, um, it's got a really beautiful shape to it too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I really answered your question, but, um, but yeah, I agree with, I agree with Eric where it's, you know, we really tried to, to, uh, to try to kill that paradigm of, of, you know, uncomfortable means performance. Yeah. So, and it's funny that this conversation of stiffness has led straight to comfort. And I think that that's, I guess it's not too surprising, uh, you know, given that, you know, the, the general design philosophy, even with bikes at this point is that comfort is faster, right? Because just like you said, you're not thinking about it. You don't have to think about, Oh boy, my feet hurt or boy, the chamois is too thin and I'm getting a saddle sore or, you know, I'm getting a lot of chatter from this, this front end of this bike and it's killing my shoulder, you know? So I think, you know, at this point in the design game, in the bike industry, it's easy to make something that's stiff, uh, and, and something that's efficient. It's less easy <laughs> to make something that's efficient, but also usable day to day. Um, and yeah. I think, and I think that's really what it boils down to here. To here. And I want to talk, we're going to take a quick break here in a minute, but, um, when we get back, I do want to talk about sort of the, the engineered flex that Eric, you mentioned, um, uh, in, in some of your, your shoes, um, and how that sort of, um, plays into the the notion of balancing stiffness versus comfort and and what that means for the rider. But first, we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors, and we will be right back. In today's market, most of us don't have access to invest early in the private companies that create big returns. With our crowd, you get access to vetted deals on pre-IPO companies alongside professional venture capitalists. Recently, our crowd has launched the Pandemic Innovation Fund, which invests in innovations like vaccines and testing, tools for remote learning, and even food security. Invest in the Pandemic Innovation Fund or get in early on other opportunities at OurCrowd.com slash VeloNews. Your OurCrowd account is free. Just go to OurCrowd.com slash VeloNews. All right. We're back with Peter Curran and Eric Richter from Giro, and we're talking shoes. uh, And we've sort of determined that stiffness is an attainable goal for pretty much every shoe brand at this point. But the combination of of stiffness and comfort is really what makes a successful shoe. Um, Eric, you had mentioned something uh, in one of your previous answers about engineered flex. Uh, And I want to talk a little bit about that because I know there's a few, there's a few key aspects here. I mean, one is, you know, you could talk about the difference between road and mountain bike shoes and gravel shoes and things like that and the different needs. But also we've seen an increasing uh, amount of, of brands try to, 
combine materials in their soul. For example, like some of them have a carbon plate in the front, you know, under the ball of your foot, but the rest of it is nylon. Um, so I guess let's start there. Um, is that kind of combination useful or do you need that stiffness throughout the whole of your foot? Um, you know, I guess, is it, is it really, is there any part of the sole, the outsole that's more important to be stiff than another? Um, again, I would defer to Peter, I think for a, a lot of this, what I would say that, you know, my understanding from speaking with some of the engineers that we've worked with over time and, and riders is that, um, in some cases, like we've been able to make a very, very lightweight shoe with good stiffness and, and reasonable durability by focusing on putting stiffness where it's needed mm -hmm. and eliminating excess material where it's not, you know, your heel doesn't pedal the bike. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so you need enough material at the back of the foot to, you know, support the overall stiffness of the plate and, and the shoe and to, you know, to help stabilize the foot. But, you know, obviously, like with a bike frame um, or anything else, where you apply material or how you apply material um, can have quite a big effect on the overall result um, while maintaining weight or price or other things depending on the materials used but mm -hmm. peter is actually i think really well um versed in this and could probably be more eloquent about it than i could yeah he's the higher priest he's like a step yes. above. yeah okay more the bishop <laughs> yeah, yes the bishop yes <laughs> so yeah i mean what you see in in um you know uh the design of of the outsoles especially when it comes to carbon because um they're hand laid up they're not you know they're not a mold they're not in, well they're not injected mm -hmm. you know they're not just squeezed into a, a cavity yeah um yeah. so what you see is similar to you know if you look at cars on the on the door panels you know they do edging and creasing uh to you know create more stiffness and structure um you know and that's that's really how we approach um, the outsoles as well, you know, we, it's not just, if you look at most outsoles, they're not just one flat piece of carbon. There's, there's edging and, and, uh, faceting that, that adds to that stiffness. And that tends to be, you know, where we, we come from the heel up to the, the forefoot, you know, and, and we kind of try to create a beam. Um, and yeah, there's, you know, yeah, you don't pedal with your heel, but I don't know if we've really bought into all these hybrid you know, hybrid, uh, things never say never, but right now I think we, we like that simplicity and strength of, um, of, uh, of just either pure carbon or, or injection molded, um, you know, carbon, carbon, uh, fiber. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where we, that's kind of where we stand on okay. that. And so I, I mean, I wonder too, from a manufacturing standpoint, and I don't know if either of you can answer this or not, but uh, it seems to me almost more complicated to have to make those combination of materials into a sole, you know, a nylon and a carbon. Uh, I mean, you're probably saving money on the material itself, but I mean, is, is the manufacturing cost going to be more because of the, the added complexity of it? Yeah, I, I can probably answer this um, in, in, yeah, there, there's, there's multiple steps. So those typically aren't, um, injected at the same time they're they're two steps um so they're they're either you know injecting one and then bringing it into another cavity and injecting over it so there's there's more complexity in the um the development part of it in the mold part of it um there's a little bit more labor because there's you know more handling but once it gets going and the production starts it's not 
it, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't make it more expensive. It's really more in the setup mm-hmm. and the tooling, uh, you know, the tooling engineering that takes the most time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I feel like I've, I've exhausted you with the, <laughs> the outsole. I want to move on to the rest of the shoe, uh, construction. And you guys touched on this a little bit. Uh, you know, when you talk about putting your foot into a shoe that may have a very stiff sole, but you know, doesn't have the support in the upper and, and that, it summarizes very nicely, you know, the other question, I guess, as a consumer, you would have going into a store to buy shoes is, okay, I've got this super stiff, stiff sole. How much does the upper factor into the power transfer and the stiffness of the shoe? Uh, should, should consumers be paying even more attention to that than the sole itself? Uh, you know, because it is what plants your foot in place. It is what dictates comfort in a lot of ways. Um, so what do you guys do at Giro to sort of mate that stiff plate with something that's a functional upper that also is, you know, has plenty of power transfer, but also isn't unbearably uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Eric, you want me to take this one? Yeah. So, um, this is, um, this is probably a big, you know, in some ways a bigger part of it is the materials, um, have to have that conformability and, and support. So that, you know, there's almost two opposing things we're trying to accomplish with the upper, so, um, you know, we've had really good, um, success with, uh, microfiber. We use a Tasian microfiber. It's got some good recoverability. So, you know, it stretches out, but it's got some, you know, it's got some, uh, some rebound to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really conforms around the foot really well. And we've, we've used a, a number of different iterations of that microfiber, but, um, you know, that has been, you know, by far, I think where we've made our mark on, on upper materials. Mm-hmm. And then recently we've come out with, with SyncWire, which is a thermobonded, um, you know, mesh and, and film. And, you know, it provides a real, a real thin upper, uh, so incredibly lightweight, but it still has that conformability we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really key is that, is that being able to wrap around the foot without stiffness. And I think if you look back 20 years or, or more, um, you know, it was really, you know, it was making these very rigid uppers that didn't really, um, conform to the foot. So you'd get in there and between the stiff outsole and then the stiff upper materials, you had a real gappy sort of stiff fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, it just didn't really, they weren't very comfortable. Yeah. And, so, um, I think that's in some ways, I think the, the technology of the upper has come, you know, the outsoles, you know, we, we kind of went through a revolution. I'd, I'd say maybe 10 years ago, um, carbons and things like that. I think more that, you know, we're seeing more evolution and innovation in, in upper materials, uh, you know, now than we, than we ever have. Yeah. So just to add to that. So the thing that Peter touched on about, you know, uppers evolving and plastics thing, that's the entire reason that Giro got into shoes. Mm-hmm. Nobody was asking for another shoe brand, (laughs) but as riders, the shoes that we were buying and riding in were becoming more like ski boots. Yeah. You know, they were plasticky. They had weird plastic knobs and like they just had, there was this pursuit of evolution in technology and, and, you know, fit and trying to make this whole package stiffer. And comfort just got lost in that. And the ability of the shoe to conform to your foot as opposed to trying to 
you know, make your foot conform to the shoe. Um, it just felt like things had kind of flipped backwards. So we, you know, not to ham, you know, kind of hammer on this, but we really started with a comfort first mm-hmm. philosophy. And over time, that path has led us to an evolution where when you start with a good last and a good fit, um, and you build around that with smart materials and construction that sort of respect the shape of the foot and give the shoe the ability to conform to it comfortably, then you combine that with a great plate, what you get is the right combination of stiffness, you know, comfort, pedaling efficiency, um, and you can scale that for, you know, price and needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, the one thing I would say is we're sort of, I think, by default talking a lot about road shoes, but I think it would be unfair to miss out on the fact that, especially in off-road shoes, outsoles have evolved a lot. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that Peter's done an amazing job with is evolving stiff outsole plates with, you know, really robust nylon, some carbon content, mm-hmm. but with an, an outsole tread that's fused or bonded mm-hmm. with the shoe permanently. So things like delamination and crumbling that I used to deal with are things in the past. Yeah, yeah. So the whole shoe is getting better. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, yeah, you, you kind of blew my segue, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. The high priest strikes again. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know the the sink wire is an interesting material, and I saw that when you guys launched the uh, the imperial shoe, and you know you guys came with the the single uh, cutout of it, so there's no there's only one seam in the whole thing, right? It's on the heel, if I'm remembering right. correctly. Um, what, what exactly does what benefit does that add? I mean, is that a stiffness feature or is that more of a support feature? Well, you know, so I've built footwear for a long time and, and um, I actually started in snowboard boots. And, um, you know, one of the things on those is that um, we didn't have thermal bonding and, and you know, yeah. welding things like that because um, and I wish we would because, you know, when you add a seam, you're adding stitching, but you're doubling up the material. So you're adding, uh, you know, uh, stiff points and um, stress points that really affect the, the, the flexibility of the shoe. Mm-hmm. And so by getting away from that, I think if you look at an example like the Nike free run shoe where, you know, sort of a revolution on eliminating seams and making it seamless and, and really clean. And, um, you know, you can really let the material uh, do the work and, 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 and carry the shoe and carry the flexibility and the structure mm-hmm. uh, rather than, you know, sometimes an industrial designer and I'm an industrial designer by education. So I'm not, you know, I can say this is, you know, you feel like adding seams and, and more stuff is, is going to make the shoe more attractive. Whereas it, when you're adding seams and stitching and, and piling it up, it, it makes it more complicated and almost, you know, you, you get a shoe prototype and you're trying to work out, you know, what you need to eliminate to get it back to, uh, you know, a simple flexing, uh, entity again. So with sync wire, um, sort of the long answer is, um, it simplifies the shoe. It's one seam. Uh, we can add windows, we can take them away, um, all with thermal bonding and it doesn't really affect the flex overall. So we can really target exactly what we need in terms of structure and breathability, um, without affecting flex. And I think that that's probably something we don't talk about um, as much, but that's really the beauty of, of, of sync wire. Mm-hmm. I, I want to move on in a moment here to, to gravel shoes and mountain bike shoes. But before we do, I, 
I have to ask. So I don't want to. I don't want to mention your direct competitors. So we'll just say it's a company called Specialized. Uh, they use a material that everybody keeps calling a um, a miracle material, Dyneema. Uh, have you guys looked into Dyneema, and what are the the arguments for and against using that in footwear? Yeah. Um, so Dyneema is pretty familiar to me because I've, I've sailed for a long time. So in sailing, it's a pretty um, it's actually a very reasonable price material. It's not very expensive. Um, and it's, and you can, you know, the strength to weight or strength to size ratio is pretty amazing. You can go pretty small and it, and it retains its strength. It's, um, it's been around for a long time. Um, the, another name for it is called spectra. It's the same, it's the same exact thing. It's just a different name. Um, so, you know, the thing about that is that you can, you can gain that same stiffness and structure, um, you know, without, without that exotic material. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've looked at different ways to use spectra, um, and, uh, yeah, more to come on that. Okay, cool. So promising at the least, but, uh, you guys haven't quite gotten to a a product with that yet. Right. All right. So let's move on to, to, uh, to the dirt side of things. And, you know, I, I'm a lifelong mountain biker and obviously, mountain bike footwear is a totally different beast. I mean, it's, you need some flex for times when you got to get off the bike and walk. Um, so, so that kind of complicates the sole design I would imagine. And now we have gravel, uh, which is sort of this in-between entity, (laughs) you know, it's, uh, it's, you want the stiffness and you want the, the light shoe and you want all these things that you would typically want at a road shoe, but you also need that adaptability, that walkability from a mountain bike shoe. Um, Talk to me a little bit about how, I guess the the place to start here would be gravel, right? Because how, how did it evolve from you know combining elements of the road and mountainside, or is it or is it really its own animal? Do you mean cross country mountain biking? Yeah, yeah, that's what that's that's the secret name for it. That's like when you go to In and Out Burger and you order secretly off the menu. That's what yeah. all, all those guys have been around for. Now. We know it as cross country mountain biking. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean I've. I'm, uh, I've been around the industry long enough to remember when a certain European XC racer literally raced World Cups in Shimano carbon fiber road shoes. Yeah. That was kind of a pioneering thing. Everybody else was on a nylon sole mm-hmm. shoe. Um, so <clears throat> hence my sort of snarky comment there. But there, <laughs> I mean, I think Giro sees a lot of overlap in in those segments um and there's definitely that hanging question out there of is there something more we can do that's that's gravel specific it'd be very easy to slap a label on something Mm -hmm. and call it gravel and i think candidly i think it's fair to say we've seen some of that in the market Mm -hmm. um but i think it you know if we look at our event grinduro we see a really broad spectrum for what gravel is and for sure the vela news listener probably leans more towards a, you know, a mid South or a really long distance, you know, high performance, where's Lycra, um, and is looking for something that's light and stiff with a little bit of tread, mm-hmm. um, versus something that's definitely more, uh, you know, comfortable if you have to get off the bike for any extended period of time. Um, so I think there's definitely a little bit of flex that's desirable in the ideal gravel space, something that's reasonably light. Um, but also thinks about other benefits like sink wire. You know, it's very breathable. It's uh, 
it's a shoe that's not necessarily a cold weather shoe, but the flip side is that it dries really quickly. Mm-hmm. So if you're crossing a creek or, you know, riding in some, you know, misty weather for an hour or two, the, the shoe's not going to get heavy and bogged down. Your foot's not going to, you know, feel wet and, and kind of bulky and heavy. Um, the shoes stay light um, because they, they move uh, moisture out quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're also able to be built into something that's really stiff. Um, so for me, that's those kinds of considerations are what I'm thinking about when I think about a gravel shoe. Mm-hmm. And I may have just rambled there incomprehensibly. Sorry. Sorry, it was very relaxing to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the the interesting thing to me about gravel shoes is that you're absolutely right. And I, you know, I, I used to race XC mountain bikes back in the day. And that's the gravel shoe is essentially what that shoe was in the what early 2000s, you know, um, obviously there's better materials now there's different, you know, there's different, a lot of differences, but it's the same sort of idea. Um, so to me, gravel shoe and XC mountain bike shoe is really the same thing. Um, and I think your sector shoe kind of exemplifies that. Um, it's a shoe I've been riding quite a lot this year and, yeah, I mean, it's. I don't hesitate to reach for them for an XC bike, which I don't ride all that much anymore. I'm mostly trail bike. Um, but gravel, yeah, that's exactly what I want for it. It's something that's got a little bit of flex for walking, but still has that good platform, good sole, grippy sole for, for walking if I need to get off the bike. Um, and, and honestly, again, it just comes back to like that comfort and that durability and breathability. You know, I don't, I don't really need something specific to gravel because gravel is not a specific thing. Uh, gravel is sort of an all-encompassing thing. Um, so, you know, I think I think you're right in that sense that, you know, the, the needs of the gravel rider really are the needs of the XC rider <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but let's go even further away from the roadside and go into mountain bike. You know, like I said, I, I primarily, at this point, I mean, I used to race XC, but now I primarily ride trail, sometimes enduro. Um, I, I do a couple lift service days a year. Um, what's the difference there? I mean, I, it's it's quite noticeable to go to an enduro shoe and compare it to a road shoe. And the road shoe is, you know, very, very stiff, whereas the mountain bike shoe has engineered give to it. Um, is is that stiffness less important for mountain bikers? I'll take this one, Eric. Um, well, you know, so as a product manager, it's, you know, mountain biking is, is in some ways um, – I don't want this to come off wrong, but in, more interesting as a, as trying to uh, target the consumer because road biking is really a vertical consumer, mm-hmm. as you see it. It's it's good, you know, good, better, best, and it's it's you know softer sole all the way up to stiffer sole. So it's it's largely the the same kind of um, type of, of bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go over to mountain biking, and it's more horizontal. So you've got cross country all the way to downhill. And you've got different disciplines within that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, you know, obviously, if I'm looking at it, and cross country is to my far left um, of the spectrum, you know, it's as we talked about, it's gravel, it's cross country, it's race, um, it's really kind of derivative of a of a road shoe. And then you get into more of the the you know um, the area where. Um, you know, it, it's maybe a little more influenced by a more of a, uh, trail running shoe or a hiking shoe, um, with a little bit more flexibility. Um, and then the other sort of, uh, variable there is, is now flat pedals are coming, you know, into the picture more yeah. and more yeah. and not, not just on the, you know, it used to be just downhill and, and, and enduro. Now it's, it's permeating many, many different, 
levels of, of riding in, in, in different, I would say different experience levels. You know, it's, it's, it's not just guys that have been clipping in for years and years, switching to, to flats. It's new riders that are intimidated by clipping in starting on flats as well. So, um, like Eric, I probably rambled away from the question. <laughs> Nailed but, it. Yeah. But we, you know, when you get away from that cross country shoe on that far left side and yeah. you get more into the middle, mm-hmm. um, it is about walkability. It is about, um, you know, um, hikeability, but, you know, I guess we, we still on that left side, try to keep a little bit of stiffness and a little bit more, um, power transfer. And then as we get away from that, it's a, it, you know, we, we, we get, um, you know, more towards comfort and more, more hikeability. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, Eric was out here in, in Boulder, uh, a week ago, we went for a ride and, he asked me if I was a Colorado native and I said, no, 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 I'm from Connecticut. So that's, that explains a little bit of the saltiness in me. Mm-hmm. The, and so, you know, I, I, I think I just, I just gave you guys a little salt when I made fun of you for rambling. So I, <laughs> sorry about that. If I, but you know, like here, here and here, here, here as well, so. yeah, yeah. So like you, get, you, and you lived in Boulder, so, you know, so if you go back East, you're like a hippie, but if you, yeah. if you come back here to the West, you're like the salty guy the mean guy yeah 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 that's me yeah. yeah very sarcastic <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so yeah. So, yeah so sorry not sorry that i kind of gave dug it in a little bit on the <laughs> <laughs> um well is there anything we're forgetting about uh, the concept of a stiff shoe that when somebody goes into the store they need to think about uh to, to buy their shoe i mean is is it still okay for somebody to say okay i know i'm going to be riding roads i want the stiffest shoe possible yeah, I, I, I still think, you know, um, it really comes down to feel like I, I, I think if you, um, you know, as Eric said, you know, power transfer comes from from, you know, the fit of the shoe and, and taking up all that negative space or any kind of nook and cranny. that So there's no movement. Mm-hmm. So I think, it, it, you know, when we talk about a rider like, um, you know, Thibaut Pino, who's who rides our shoes and, and you know, he wants the stiffest, lightest shoe. Um, you know, for him, that's a feel too, you know, he wants that direct power transfer, just like the skiers that downsize their boots. So, um, you know, there's always going to be that rider, uh, that wants that, you know, and, 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 you know, likes that feel. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that that's, that's what I'm coming away from, you know, or I, I, that's the way I would answer that. I don't know, Eric, if you have any other, um, enlightenment, but we, you know, I think, um, I just answer, I just asked Eric to answer, but I'm still talking. <laughs> uh, thought about you know you're riding the sector, and I think that that's you know those shoes that we just came out with are are pretty interesting because we're injection molding them, we're adding carbon into them, and we're sort of tweaking that um, you know that that mid price point between the the hand laid up carbon, which is very stiff, and then you know uh, the nylon injected soles. You know, have a lot more flexibility. I think like added a bit more technology into that mid price. That um, you know, you're still getting that stiffness, but but also still getting that comfort of walkability. You can yeah. answer. Thank you. <laughs> the high priest may speak. Yeah. <laughs> I yield to the bishop. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think of I guess a couple things. So. For a visual reference, since people are listening to this and they can't see things, cycling is a pretty unique activity. You know, literally, you're turning the foot into a lever. So every other type of shoe, except a ski boot, 
this is why cycling shoes and ski boots have a lot in common. Every other shoe, basically, your foot is a spring, right? The arch, you know, you're striding. So, you know, there's sort of this stretch and recovery of the foot. And literally with cycling and stiffness, the more you can stabilize the foot, the better chances you're going to have to leverage the stiffness of the outsole, whether it's hyper stiff or has a bit of engineered flex. Mm -hmm. So that is why I'm the high priest of arch support and fit. <laughs> um, because stable, you know, it literally it starts with comfort and stabilizing the foot. And then you worry about the outsole yeah, in, yeah. in my world. Right. Um, and I think the other thing that I think about when I think about a stiff shoe, it does come back to the upper a little bit. So we've worked so hard to create those sort of seamless uppers um, because that allows the shoe to conform to the foot. Mm -hmm. And then you can go to the closure. Um, I may also be the high priest of laced shoes. Um, <laughs> I just really, I have a low volume foot. Mm -hmm. So getting the shoe to really conform to my foot and help stabilize it. Mm -hmm. um, laces are unrivaled for the ability to have the shoe upper mm -hmm. conform to your foot. They're light. <clears throat> they don't break. Um, you know, we, we took a while to come to market with shoes with BOA because we were trying to mimic the feel and the fit of a lace shoe with dials, which mm -hmm. introduces hard plastic parts onto the upper. Mm -hmm. And again, I kind of come back to Peter's done a great job with soft lace guides and the, the specific lacing pattern that we have for our BOA mm -hmm. um, to create that conforming fit um, that allows you to get the most out of the outsole. Sure. I'll fight you on lace-up shoes. I really hate lace-up shoes. Oh, man. <laughs> it's been nice. I'll see you. Yeah. <laughs> and we're done here. Uh, we can talk with you later, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll fight it out off, off, off air. Um, gentlemen, thank you for, uh, for joining me today to talk footwear. Really appreciate it. Um, and, and I w just as a, as a parting message, I will definitely agree with Eric about insoles and arch support. Uh, that has been the biggest revelation for me in tailoring the fit and feel of my shoes. Uh, and I found some insoles that work well for me and I basically swap them shoe to shoe and it has been just wonderful. Um, so, you know, stiffness aside, comfort is key. Uh, if you're having footwear trouble, I would start with maybe trying to get yourself a, an insole that works for you. Um, on that note, gentlemen, thank you again. It was great talking to you, except for Eric, who now I'm fighting. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for your time. Thanks for your questions. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you guys have any questions about this episode of the Velo News Tech Podcast or any of the other podcasts in the Velo News atmosphere, I'd love to hear them. Feel free to reach out to me, dcavalary at velonews.com. You can also find me on the social medias at Dan on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and uh, if you have topics, uh, ideas that you'd like me to cover on a future episode, I would also love to hear those. So please do feel free to reach out. Uh, gentlemen from Jiro, thank you again. And to the rest of you listening, we will catch you next time.